0: anybody happy to be in the house? Yeah. Man, I, like y'all, y'all sound hungry. Like you sound like you're ready for the word of God this morning. You sound like you're expecting. You sound like your soul needs some water. You sound like, what? Okay, so we can have fun this morning, right? One of our culture codes here at Ambassador's Worship Center is fun, which basically means that we find joy in everything that we do. And if we lose the joy, then we shouldn't be doing it. So many times you go to church, and there's no fun in it, and it's just like you're just going just to check something off. But here at Ambassador's Worship Center, our biggest thing is that if I'm going to be here, number one, God's got to show up. And number two, I'm going to get mine. And the third thing is, is if I'm not smiling, if my, if my spirit doesn't have joy, then, then, then why am I here? So today I just want to ask you to do two things. The first thing is I, I want you to, to lean in. Can you say lean in? Yeah, there it is. Man, you all are so responsive. The, the second thing that I want you to do is as, as I want you to really hear what's coming out of my heart and what's not coming out of my mouth. Let let your spirit catch my spirit, but not the words that are coming out of my mouth. Because if if so many times being up here or being in conversations or talking with people, you can miss the mark because people are listening to what you're verbally saying, but they miss what your heart is trying to interpret. Right, so, so what, what I'm saying is Every single day, we're supposed to do a couple of things. In the Word, it says that we're supposed to die to our cross daily. So that basically means that every single day, I crucify myself as a display of saying, God, I don't want them to see me, but I want them to see So when I'm speaking, don't look at me because I'm absolutely nobody. It could be another person here up here tomorrow. Like I got ordained, and that, that, that's awesome. And trust me, I had to sing that song because I've been exhausted these last couple of days. I've probably slept probably 20 hours in the past seven days. I didn't sleep at all last night. And it's just like God has literally been tormenting me, not negatively, but like the minute I was sitting up here, it was just like, okay, it's real. But I think that just like what happened on Sunday, that it's going to happen with you today. Like, I really believe that God is going to ordain you to, who am I talking to? God's going to ordain you to walk into your situation. And the minute you walk it. The minute you step into it, things have to change. The minute you walk into your family, like demons are going to like, they're not even going to just, this is going to disappear. Like the issues that you were dealing with yesterday, after today, they're done. Because I know that I'm talking to a couple of people today. And I welcome to Ambassador's Worship Center where we're loud because God, when he died on the cross, he might have did it silently, but it was loud as heck. So you're going to hear some people talking, you're going to hear some people screaming out, and it's not because we're a black church or a hook em side church. No, it's because these people understand that when something comes from God, you got to put your voice on it. Some of them are going to put their hands on it. Some people are going to stand. So I just want to make sure that this morning that you feel comfortable to be uncomfortable. Because there are a lot of people in the room today that you, like, the fact that you're in the room, like, I don't know who you are, but the fact that you made it to the building proves that you're like at the last bit of your faith who am I talking to like God if you don't if you don't show up yesterday like if you don't show up yesterday I, I'm, I'm done like if I don't get this job I'm done like if, if, if you don't show up like you said you were going to tomorrow you're like I'm through I'm throwing away my faith I'm throwing away my religion because it's not working out for me but I just believe that today that God wants to visit you is there anybody excited Okay, cool. Oh, all right, I'll talk to y'all. All All of y'all are in audience, but I'm just looking for some people that are looking for God this morning. Like if he don't touch nobody, God, you gonna touch me today. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You might not have listened to any of my other prayers, but this prayer right here, this one you're gonna answer today. Today what I hope to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word is not for me to persuade you but for God to like literally hook up a 9 volt battery to your faith and recharge it. Can we do that? All right, is that a good intro? Is that all right? Okay. Good morning. All right, don't don't, don't fall asleep. This is the last this is the last Sunday that you want to fall asleep on. Anyway, so, there, there are some questions that I've been getting um, since Sunday. And, like, people are coming up to me like, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh. And I literally i am like, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> who, <laughs> who is this guy? Because I've been doing what I've been doing for a lot of years. But there's something when God names you, it changes the situation. So... The word pastor comes with a lot of responsibility. So a lot of people think that it's light shining, and this is all you see. You don't see Monday through Friday. But what are some of the things that you go through Monday through Friday that people don't see? Oh, my God, I'm coming for you today. People see your family together. They see all the family pictures, your husband and your wife and your kids, all y'all hair is tied. But they don't see you on Monday when you got to, like, break down some stuff in your house. They don't see you on Tuesday when you have to reestablish the morals and the values. They don't see you on Thursday when you're trying to make sure your finances make sense. But God named you for something so he gets the glory for it. So you see what happened on Sunday and you're like, wow, he's got it made. But you didn't see me on Monday when I didn't sleep. You didn't see me on Tuesday where I ate as much as I could but I didn't feel full. You didn't see me on Wednesday and Thursday where I literally couldn't speak because I was in the fear of God in his presence shaking like what is going on? What is on me? I believe that today God is going to name you. He's going to give you a name, not the name that you have, but he's going to name you that every situation has to answer to the name. The name comes with power. The name comes with understanding. The name comes with information somebody scream, I want, to be named. I want to be named. Okay. Now I can start. Thank you. <laughs> so people have been asking me these questions. <clears throat> They've been asking me these questions and my faith, <clears throat> excuse me, is at a level where like <clears throat> people ask me certain things and I don't have any rationale to put on it. Right. Yeah. Like they'll ask me how, and my answer is, huh? Ah. Yeah. Like, how do you trust God? I don't know, I just do. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't. I know, I know it doesn't. But, but these are some of the questions, and maybe these are some of yours. So you might want to write these down. The first one is, how can I be sure that it's God? The, the, the second is, how will I know that it's the right time? How will I know it's the right person, the right opportunity? Like, how will I know? The third is, when will I actually see it with my eyes what was said? Like, how do I get from, from, from receiving what God said Conceptualizing what he said and then actually holding what he said. Another question that they ask is, how do you yourself trust God? But I think the problem is, is that our faith is broken. Like your faith is like a muscle or your faith is like a toy that we've been playing with, but nobody gave us the instructions on really how to use it. So we can teach and say, have faith, use your faith, use your faith, use your faith. It's coming tomorrow. Receive it. It's your time. Just reach up and grab it. And all the while, we're like, what are we? Can we talk? Yeah. Like, what are we? What? Like, this cloud, I understand it. But, like, what am I, what am I reaching for? So my, my junior year of, of college, I had went through all the steps in our house. We had set up some morals and some values that our parents said, Joshua and Callie, if you follow these three simple things, you can ask us for anything once you turn 18. So I turned 17, and I had done a pretty good job, so I got what I was supposed to get at 18 at 17, which was this opportunity to stay on on campus. So a lot of times, as, as kids or as youth, we leave our homes as if we're running away from something rather than going to something. So for me, I was going to something because my house was stable. My house was stable, so I went to school, I was in class, and I wasn't running away from anything. But like 99%, and don't judge me on the statistic, but a very large percent of the people that were in my dorm room and like in my dorm building, their spirit was running away from something, and they thought that by moving a couple minutes away from home that they would have like a sanctuary or they would have some peace, right? So for the first six months, everything was straight. Can you say straight? Like it was dope. Like, like I loved it. Uh, I, was, I was living for God. I was going to class. My dorm room was literally like 20, like 20 steps away from the, the college that I was in. So I was like, God, this is it. I moved in. It took me about four days to move in because w- it was hard. I would leave stuff at the house on purpose just so I could go back. Oh, I forgot my toothbrush. <laughs> <clears throat> Yesterday. Oh, I forgot, I forgot my socks. Joshua, these aren't yours. Well, I, I need them. I need them. But then six months into it, I got like super dry. I don't know who this is for. I don't know who this message is for, but I think I cried all my tears last week. I'm tired of crying. I don't know. But there was a time where I was like in my dorm room and I didn't feel nothing. My cousins would say, I didn't feel anything. Nothing, nothing at all. I tried to find God. The funny thing, we try to find God like he's lost. I I, I tried to find him, I was looking for him, I was doing all of the different things that I thought. I was fasting, I was praying, I was coming to church, but I wasn't here. Like, I was in the building. Like, I was, like, salt in a baggie in the gumbo. Like, I'm in the gumbo, but I'm not in it. And it wasn't in me. So I was coming to church, super dry. Worship was going crazy. The Word was going crazy. Like, everybody else's lives are being touched. And my faith began to become depleted. Because I grew up so much around church that I knew how to do church and I knew how to do faith, but I didn't know how to live by it. So I'm in my dorm and I told God, I said, You know what? Okay. You're going to prove to me if you're God boldness, not being conceited, boldness. We're sons and daughters of the most high God. So I should, as a son, be able to say, Hey, you say you're real, so you need to, you need to work this out. I'll do what I need to do, but you need to show up. So for two months, I fasted and prayed. Don't ask me how. I lost like 30 pounds. I was eating maybe every other two or three days. And I was like, in my word, when I say in my word, like I literally took the Bible and stitched it, made a quilt and slept in that thing. You feel me? Like I was in my word, finding every scripture that could support what I believed, but not what was the truth. So I'm sitting in my dorm room, super dry, and the Bible is super oily, but I couldn't get what was on the word onto me. It was like I had on this raincoat, and I was trying to, like, get saturated, but the raincoat was working against the Holy Spirit. Who am I talking to? So I'm sitting there, super dry, and on the 60th day, can you say 60th day? God shows up to me in my dorm room. And it was almost as if I was there forever. And I felt like this spring. And it's hard to explain, but my faith was awakened that day. Because God said something very, very key. He said, Joshua, you have the faith to get back into the place of grace, but you don't use the same faith just to live each day. So you fasted, you prayed, you were in your word, you found the right word from Crefalo, you found the right word from T.D. Jakes, you found the right word from Stephen Furtick to help you get out of where you are. But you don't use those same steps to live every day. So I'm sitting there shook in my dorm room like, wow, that's crazy. As the people of God, we think that we have to use our faith to get us out of something where God wants you to use your faith to live in something. So I'm sitting in my dorm room and I'm like, well, wait a minute. What if I were to apply this method every single day? Do you think, Joshua, that it would probably keep you out of a lot of the crap, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the the poopy stuff that that smells bad and looks bad? Do you think that if you were in your word every day as desperately as you were for those two months every day, do you think that God would show up in your life? And then this is the last thing that God said. God said this, I can make a way out of no way, but what if you just gave me a little bit of faith to work with? Like, I can, I can literally turn stones into bread. I can turn the sky purple. And I can do that by myself because I'm God. But what would happen yeah. if you gave me just a little, like, look at your neighbor, just a little, a little bit of something. Like, he told his disciples, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Yeah. Like, what if you gave him just, like, just a little bit? Not just when you need him to deliver you from something. Because we're all Bible scholars when we need cleanliness. We're all on Mother Woods level when we need God to change the situation that we put ourselves in. Who am I talking to? We all need God, and we're all better than the pastor up here when we need God to deliver us. But what if you use that same energy every single day? We're in a sermon series called what? Which basically means that if God can do it, you don't just have the ability to do it, but you have to. So if daddy prospers, you have no reason but to. If daddy is growing, you have no reason but to. So if daddy uses his faith, you have no reason but to use your. Can we get in the word? Y'all up? Somebody say message. One day I'm going to say something and y'all going to repeat me. And I'm a. So I just want to make sure how many of us know God we've given our life to Christ. Like, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's awesome, he's great. Well, let me burst your bubble. In Hebrews 16, two through, um, I'm sorry, in Hebrews ten thirty uh, eight 38, in the New Living Translation, it says, and my righteous ones will live by faith, period. <laughs> but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away from faith. The same scripture is said multiple times in the Word, Romans 1:17, Galatians three eleven. So God basically says, once you have become a new creature, How you used to deal with situations is now null and void, and you have to use faith. So the minute you give your life to God, a lot of people will tell you that the road is easy. But the song said nobody told you that the road was easy. Because the minute you give your heart to God, it's not that the road gets harder, but as soon as you give your heart to God, now you are aware of things. Now you have the burden of proof or the burden of truth because now you're walking in it. Now it's like you used to walk in situations and see something that was messed up and be able to turn a blind eye because it didn't bother you. But the minute you stepped into the kingdom and the minute you stepped into God, now everything is like irritating. Like, I don't know why today, but that situation, I feel like I need to fix it, but I don't like it. So then we pray against what we stepped into. So the biggest thing about it is I just want to make sure to burst your bubble and let you know that anything that you try to do outside of faith, it's not that it won't work, it's that it can't work. We are faith beings, which means that that invisible part of you, that invisible muscle, you have to believe that it works. Has anybody ever seen their bicep? Have you ever seen the muscle? Have you ever seen your heart? No, you have not. Because if you did, you'd be dead. D-E-T. But you you believe that it's there. You've never seen it, but you believe it pumps. Yes. Have you ever seen your brain? No. But it works, doesn't it? How do you know? You've never seen it. You've never touched it before. You've never had a conversation with it before. So evidently, this thing that we call faith isn't really hard to believe because you use it every day. You just think that you activate it when you need something. But the fact that you woke up today is your faith. Like, we, 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 we glorify we glorify the tools of the kingdom and not God. So we glorify faith. Use your faith. or your faith didn't work. It's not that your faith didn't work. It's just that you think that you have to turn your faith on and off. But let me tell you something, and you should write this down. Your faith never turns off. It's always on. The question is, are you aware? So here we go. We're going to do some reading. Uh, I had some people call me this week. I only have like three calls, which is cool. And one of them is this older elder in Mississippi, and he told me, he said, he said, Joshua, when you get up there, preach the word, worried, word, he said, preach the word and the people will be set free. So I'm going to teach the word. Because a lot of people, you can give them concepts, but they don't hear God until they hear the scripture. Sometimes that's because the only time that you've heard the scriptures, and let me, let me, let me, go, to let me go to the word. Look at your neighbor, say, you can't be safe. And in faith. faith. Like you can't use your faith and wear a life jacket. You you can't be you can't use your faith and swim in a pool. Like you gotta jump off the mountain into the abyss. Like you can't be in faith and be trying to figure it out on the side. Like who am I talking to? You can't be in faith and be at the aquarium. Like, you got to jump in with the sharks. So here we go. Exodus 16, 2 through 36. It's going to be so good because it was good to me this morning at 4. It was also good to me at 5, 6 a.m. and 7 o'clock when I was in the shower. So I know this gets gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Exodus 16 through 36. What we understand is that Moses has taken all of the people. He's taken all of the people out of Egypt. And he's brought them out of Egypt into the desert and they're like losing their minds because they they feel that they need structure. But sometimes the structure that you're looking for is bondage that was created by the enemy. Like I'm not speaking against anybody that has a nine to five. I work here, so I work those hours. But if your nine to five isn't creating freedom for you and you need the structure, it's almost like you're loving the chains that are on your hands and your ankles. So like the, the Egyptians, like, like, they have been set free. Like, they've been set free from slavery, and they're upset. Like, like, I want you to understand what's going on. They've been literally set free from being beaten, shackled, and lassoed, and, and, and they're frustrated with Moses and Aaron. So, so listen to this. There to the whole community of Israel, they started to complain about Moses and Aaron. They said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to die. Like we were in the desert. I mean, we, we were in slavery. I would rather be in slavery than to be hungry in freedom. I'd rather be full in slavery than to be starving in freedom. So it's like your belly is more important than your liberty. A lot of us, we don't use our faith because we're so comfortable in bondage that we don't want to step on the other side of liberty because we know we're eating good on this side of the fence. But I think that today that we sing the song, Oceans, right? Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And all y'all be slain. Oh, God, take me deeper. And then God tells you like Abraham, well, I want you to take a step out of that safe space. Well, hold up. I get three square meals. I have a roof over my head. Over here, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. But I'll deal with being beat on this side. So we start to rationalize with things that you're not supposed to deal with. You're not supposed to deal with bondage. You're not supposed to deal with debt. You're not supposed to deal with with the slavery of your mind, with divorce or, 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 or any types of sins. But we'll give up our freedom because we are comfortable. So the people of Israel are literally complaining to Moses and Aaron because remember at this time, Bishop McIntosh talked about it last week. But at this point in time, the people of God couldn't talk to God because God hadn't died yet. There, there was still a veil that needed to be between them because he was so glorious that if you saw him, if you sniffed him, like, you would drop dead. So they had to talk to Moses and Aaron who would go to God and basically, basically, like, this, this is how would go. Man, we're tired of being in the desert. Moses would be like, okay. God, they tired. And then God would yell at Moses and he'd be like, that's too bad. Like, he would come and tell them. What God was saying, but then Jesus died, so the veil was taken away. So now we can go to God straight up. So they're they're, they're in the desert. Moses and Aaron, like you, got to get tired of it. Like I told you that God is going to deliver you. You keep asking me over and over. I'm this close to saying, God, just wipe them out, and I'll wait another hundred years for the next crop. That was tough. If you didn't get it, get the CD of the podcast. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, be by evening, you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints. A lot of times when we pray and God hears us, we think that like, oh, he's heard my prayer. No, he's heard you complaining. You ever had a kid that came home from school every day in a problem and you knew that they were more powerful than the problem, but they came and kept complaining to you? What do you do? You tell them, go fix it. It's the same thing with God. God, I can't stand my boss. I can't stand how, the, how they work. God, this sickness, I'm tired of it. And God's like, okay, bet. I died on the cross and gave you all power, so use it. Like, go back and play with the other kids. Wipe your nose. Wipe your tears. Rub some dirt in it. And go play with the other kids. I think in a lot of the situations, God is going to prove how powerful he is by sending you back into your situation. Like, he's not gonna have to say anything. He's gonna bring you into the throne room. He's going to hear your complaints. He's gonna hear your prayers. He's gonna hear your heart moan. Then he's gonna wipe your tears, rub some dirt on it, and send you back into it so that he can prove I'm God and I can use anybody. So the Israelites are sitting there with Moses and Aaron. They're like, dude, like, what the heck are we supposed to do? Then Moses and Aaron, they announce that uh, the entire community of Israel, he says, present yourselves before the Lord for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness and they see the glory of God. Because remember what Bishop McIntosh talked about? There was a cloud. But the crazy thing is, like, God can be doing crazy things in your life and people can still have doubt. Like, 600,000 people in slavery were broken. I mean, were broken out of slavery. That in itself is a miracle. But they weren't impressed. Then he takes them on a journey in the desert for 40 years and nobody dies until they have to die. Nobody was impressed. They were they were literally following a cloud that from as far as you could see, there was no break, break. Like, It was literally like this ceiling. Nobody was impressed. In the nighttime, there was a pillar of fire. A pillar of fire. A pillar of fire. Like y'all are like so normal. Oh, yeah, a pillar of fire. I saw yesterday. No, you did it. A pillar of fire. And they were unimpressed. So I think that sometimes God does little things in our lives and we're waiting for the big thing and we're unimpressed with what he's done already. Like, God, I'm waiting for the big one. And God's like, but I took care of this. 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 You know what? Just, you can do it by yourself. Because I have, if you took all these small things, they would amount to be bigger than what you're hoping for. So God, God begins to rain this thing down called manna. Can you say manna? It's like... It's like foo-foo. You ever been to Africa? Just say yes. Now by saying yes, that means that God has to answer that and you have to go to Africa. That's why I take I cut my face out and I put it in the cars and the houses on my board so I can say that I'm there. So when I step into it, it's like I've already been there. Because one day I'm gonna step into a new normal. Like your house is too small, but one day you're gonna walk into the big one and be like, wow, this is crazy. I've already been here before. This is wonderful, right? Awesome. So the people of God, like, like he, he starts to rain down manna, and he's literally raining down food from the sky. Yeah. 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 Manna, yeah. birds, pigeons, whatever you want to believe. Yeah. It could have been pudding pops, but he's raining them. He opens up, and he doesn't break the cloud to do it. Like, the cloud keeps its form, but he's still, he's raining down provision, and they're still unimpressed. Yes. Because what God did for them wasn't what they asked for, so it's not good enough. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses the 11th verse. I have heard the Israelites complaints. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So that evening vast numbers of them vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. Where? Quails? Quail don't eat. Quail are not indigenous to the sub-Saharan African area. So they're upset. Man, you sent us quail. You don't even know what quail is. That's a North American species, and you're still frustrated. He brought a species that doesn't even live here to you, and you're still Unimpressed. I'm going to destroy your, your uh, I'm not going to. The word is going to destroy your excuse of not using your faith today. Your faith is broken, but God's going to fix it today. I promise you. So that evening, quail, bro. That'd be like if peacocks just came out of the sky and we acted like it was normal. So then that morning also dew fell on the ground. It frosted over like it blanketed the ground. And the Israelites were so puzzled when they saw it, and they were like, what is this? They asked each other, and they had no idea. But Moses and Aaron basically tell them, like, this is the food that God has given you. It's, It's the dew. It's basically, you know how we realize that God is like the dew of the morning? You know what dew is? When you wake up and the grass is, there's water there. That's what God wants you to do with your faith. That it just, like, resonates, and you have so much of it that it, like, drips off of you. So he gives them a look at what they're supposed to be in the water, but they are, they're unaware. Right, right. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Moses tells them, he says, look, in the morning, I need you to take as much as you need for the day. Take as much as you need for the... 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 Moses probably had to do a cadence like that because the Israelites kept asking him the same question over and over as if God changed. So Moses had to say, when the quail comes, take as much as you need. When the manna comes, take as much as you need for the day. But the Israelites start to get greedy. And what they do is they start to store up more than they need for the day. So they start to pick up, they say, like they, uh, in, in the word, it gives them specifics. Take as much as you need for your house. That's what, that, that's what he says, right? Take as much as you need for your house. And the 17th verse, it says, so the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when, the, when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Say that. Each family had what? Just what it needed. Listen to this, underline verse 19 and 20 in your Bible on your your phone, your iPhone, your broke phone, your no phone. I don't know what it is, but underline this. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until the morning. Keep only what you need for the, keep only what you need for the, don't carry some so that you have some for breakfast tomorrow. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then, it was full of what? It was full of maggots, worms, uh, bugs. And it had a terrible smell. And Moses was very angry with them. A lot of times we stop this scripture here. But but can can I explain the maggots for you? God gave them specific instructions. He said, I only want you to take what's for today because what you need for tomorrow will come in the morning. So the fact, have you, have you guys ever had somebody over at your house that was eating like you didn't have enough? How does that feel? To me, it feels embarrassing. To me, it feels like, You're eating this much because you don't think that we have enough to go around. So that means that you think I'm not enough for you. You think that I've invited you into a situation that I can't feed you in. So that means that you think you have to store up some just in case I don't have enough food for you. And I think that God is the same. I think that God royally gets pissed off when we hold on to things that he gave us for the day, as if in the next day, he's not going to give us what we need for that day. So God sends maggots to their food, not to curse them, but to remind them, take only what you need. Take what you need today, because what you need today is not going to work tomorrow. That's why we say God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Like, he never changes, but he changes in the way that he doesn't change. So David, like, I'm going to tell you, you know what, you're going to use um, a, a, a slingshot to kill goliath you're going to use a sword to kill the lion and the bear you're going to use a harp with saul so that you can destroy the demons and then once you're king you're going to use your voice to proclaim the the name of the lord in all those situations god gets the glory and david is able to do what he needs to do but he only used what god gave him for the assignment we need to stop using what god blessed us with yesterday thinking that what he gave us yesterday is going to work today If God gave you a word yesterday, that's great. But every day that you wake up, there should be fresh manna that's coming. God, I thank you for what you gave me yesterday. But what do you got for me today? Like, what you gave me was great. And I'm not saying it's not good enough. But you're the God of more than enough. So I know that you're going to do something crazier today than what you did yesterday. So there are three different places where we put our faith. I want you to write these down. There are three different places that we put our faith. And it's when you become scared. It's when you ask God for something and you don't specifically see it, how you think you're supposed to get it. It's kind of like I fought watching Harry Potter for forever. And the church was so, we were so ignorant. Don't watch Harry Potter. Don't watch these movies because the devil's in them. And it's like, but God doesn't see any different types of sin. So me watching Harry Potter and you robbing Peter to pay Paul is indif- like, you ro- You steal pens from the office. That's the same thing as somebody committing capital murder in God's eyes. So watching Harry Potter can't be that bad. But I never read the books, but I had, I had seen all the covers and like all my friends had been reading them. And like, I had watched it enough. like, I had seen like all like the the video games and all that other stuff. But like when I saw the movie, Harry didn't look how I saw him in my, in my head. I don't know who that's for, but I was watching the movie based off of how I saw Harry in my head, not what I saw on screen. Sometimes when God gives us a word, we just create this grandiose movie in our head of how it's going to happen. So that when it does happen, it happens different than how we saw it in our head and we miss it. God, he's going to be six foot tall, dark and handsome, all of his teeth wavy. He, gonna, he ain't even going to have to wear a do durag. It's going to be buttery all the time. And because you have your mindset on who he's supposed to be, what God wants to bless you with, you're not even aware of it because you're so focused. God, I want, the, I, yo, listen, Lord, I want the Maserati with the, with the dubs in it. Yo, I, I want to hit the push to start. But then there's another car with 150,000 miles on it that you're going to spend less money keeping in maintenance. And you're going to have it for 10 years. But you're, you're unaware of what God wants to bless you with because you've already told God what you want in your brain. Like, who am I talking to? Like, you got to get past using your faith to try and paint a picture for God so he can fill in the numbers. You ever used one of those paints before? Like, one is for red. Two is for orange. Blue is for green. Like, God doesn't paint his picture based off of what you think needs to go, where it needs to go. He is the author of life. So God is telling the Israelites, He says, Look, I am God. Like, I don't know how many times I'm God. I could kill all of y'all. Start over, and the people would praise me for doing it. Like, I'm I'm God. So, what makes you think that this manna from the heaven is all I want you to have? Look at your neighbor. He wants you to have more. Look at your neighbor. He wants you, talk to them. He wants you to have more. Okay, if you can't talk, he wants me to have more. And I want, listen, God, I don't bump them. I want more. I want as much as you can give me. God, give me so much that it makes them upset. But God, give me enough that when they get upset, I have enough to give them and lift off a little. Like, I'm trying to be ignorant rich. Like, stupid wealthy. Like, ridiculously wealthy, where I can walk into a situation and hand off a blank check and not have to worry about how much they write down. I want to go to a third world country and not just feed them for the Instagram photo, but to create sustainable <laughs> I wanna walk into a shelter and create anonymous help for people that are trying to get away from a life that they can't get away from. Do you know how many women, men and children are in witness protection in Omaha? Do you know how many of them lose their lives almost every single week because their anonymous quote, oh I'm sorry, their anonymous identity gets out and the person that's been chasing them comes and gets them? What if you had the money to fix the problem? It's not about buying Yeezys and buying all, because 99% of all this stuff is a gift anyway, right? It's not about being able to buy the stuff. It's like, God, I need what I need so I can bless your people. Like, I need, who am I talking to? One, two, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. There it is. All y'all sitting down, I ain't talking to y'all. I'm talking to y'all. God needs you to be blessed, and God needs you to have your faith up, not just so that you can live a good life. You live a good life so that you can be a blessing to others. So there are three different places that we put our faith. There are three different places that we put our faith. The first is our past. The second is in others. And the other, and the last one I, I'm going to share with you in a second. So our past. The Israelites were God's chosen people, but they were complaining. Moses and Aaron revealed that their frustration, it wasn't with them but their frustration was with God Almighty. Right. You don't know how comfortable you are until someone introduces you to a new normal. Pharrell wrote a song, and he said, the truth will set you free, and we love that part. But the next part, he says, but, it, but first, it's going to make you very, very upset. The reason why we're in this place in the world where, like, Where all these different social issues are happening is because nobody wants to look at the truth of the matter of how it hurts. They just want to come up with solutions. But before you get to a solution, you got to deal with the problem. Write this one down. You don't know your capacity until you're stretched. You don't know how blind you are until you can see. A lot of things that you're dealing with that you think are normal, let me introduce you to somebody where that's not their normal. And you'll you'll go back to your life and be like, wait a minute, this ain't supposed to be like this. Growing up, I remember <laughs> we would take baths and I was the oldest so I was the last one to bathe. Anybody have that testimony? Terrible. Whole bunch of cousins and I was the oldest one so I'd be bathing in dirty water, right? Ah, 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 like, you know. Last one to bathe cuz we had to take our water. And we would go down to the south to, in the summers to go visit my family and then when we would come back home, I had my own shower. I had my own wash rag. I had my own and, When I would go back every summer, I remember saying, like, this isn't normal. And family would be like, oh, you're just ungrateful. You're just bougie. No, I just like being clean. Stop having communication with people that don't understand your new normal. Well, you used to. I used to. But I have a new normal. Bro, you used to come out and get toasted, bro. We used to smoke, drink, and all that stuff. Yeah, we used to. But now my new normal is making business executive decisions. I don't have to be high because I found a new high. That was good. Y'all should pay me right there. I'm just kidding. Like, what used to sustain me, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it can't anymore. I used to be able to watch Netflix for seven, eight, nine hours a day. But now for seven, eight, nine hours a day, I'm looking at a whiteboard like, okay, God, oh, bet. Next year, okay, so that means I need to put this money away. Oh, I need to cut these people off. Oh, these people aren't my friends, but they're going to be my friends if I walk in your will. Okay, bet. Okay, I need to have kids by this time. I mean, I need to be married by this time, so I can have kids by this time. I can put my parents up by this time, and I can retire by this time. Okay, cool. So what do I need to do? Oh, I need to change and step into a new normal. A lot of us, we have the faith to look at the new normal, but we don't have the faith to step into it. Second thing that we put our faith in, you ready? Am I moving too quick? That's okay, because I only got 20 minutes. Here it is. We put our faith in others. Bishop Bismarck gives us a word, and we all jump on the moment because we listen to what he's saying, but we don't hear what God is saying to us. So we did that in 10 days, like the whole song, right? And everybody's so happy, but then Monday came. And you in your house, 10 days. Wait a minute. There ain't nobody singing with me. So because the people aren't there, you lose your faith. There was a man in the word who he went to the disciples to help him out. Like, he's like, my, my son is demon possessed. And then Jesus comes and he's like, I need you to come to my house. But as he's explaining his situation to Jesus, he goes, wait a minute. If, if you just say it, like, you don't have to be in my situation because you give me the power to do it. I think that a lot of times Jesus doesn't step into your situation because he's rooting for you to do it. Like, you're getting beat up by life, and you're like, God, man, take this dude out. And God's like, no, I, I, like, you'll, I'll get the glory, and you'll get the, the win if you just stand up and handle this business like I know you can. Then, but what happens when the moment is gone? When the moment is gone, we put our faith in the third thing. Can you say the third thing? Which is our own abilities. Moses and Aaron, we don't trust you to deliver us. God, we don't trust you to deliver us. I don't trust anybody in this camp to deliver us. So you know what? I'm going to take care of me. I didn't even choose to be here. I don't have the power to change the weather, but God, I'm, I, I got me. That's why I love those Instagram and Facebook like, posts. I mean, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Hallelujah. Um, but when people say on Facebook, I got me, like it's supposed to like invict fear in all of us. I got me, don't text me, don't come for me, don't even check up on me, I'm good. Me and mine is good, and all of us are like, okay, good. Be good in your ignorance, have fun. Be good in your lack, you can keep that by yourself. Be good in your sickness, you don't need anybody in your situation, go ahead and take care of it. We start to put our own faith in what we can do, but let, let, let me tell you something, all of us need to mind the gap. Can you say mind the gap? Come on, say it again. Say mind the gap. gap. God works in four different ways. You know know the word that says that God works in mysterious ways? Well, let me me, uh, give you a little bit of that mystery. Is that okay? God works in four ways. He works in unclear direction. He works in uncomfortable decisions. He works in unseen destinations. And he works in unsure determinations. That's a word in itself. Like you could go home. So nine times out of ten, when God gives you a word, it's going to be unclear of where you're going. You're going to be uncomfortable with the decisions you're going to have to make. Where you're going, you're not even going to see it. He told Abraham, hey, I need you to pick up everything. I need you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. Like, oh, so I'm going to Kansas? No. Like, just start walking, and I'll tell you when you get there. Time out. What? Because if I told you where you were going and you knew more about where I was, go- where I was telling you to go, you wouldn't go. If you would have told me 10 years that I'd be standing up here, I would have been like, ah, you're funny. That's why when God leads you, you just say, yes, Lord, here am I. And the fourth is in unseen determinations. Sometimes when, uh, as as we were talking about in Hebrews, the minute that you give your heart to Christ, you become a new creature. And you become a new creature in God, you get his characteristics. And I want to make sure that you understand that even in this moment... A lot of us can feel forgotten. We can feel like God's forgotten us. We can feel that like my situation isn't big enough for God to come down in. But I just want to make sure that, that through the word and through the sound of my voice that you get a little bit more support and give God just a little bit more support. Give him a little bit more credit. Did you wake up this morning? That's enough. Can you see? That's enough. Can you breathe? That's enough. Because somebody didn't. So you start to champion the small things. And when the big thing comes, you praise him just as much for that as you did for waking up. Because ask yourself this question. When did it get to the point that waking up was no big deal? Like, let's think about it logically. God, I need a new house. And God's like, wow. So I guess I wasted my time giving you breath this morning. When you sleep, when you sleep, do you know that you're breathing? Do you consciously make the... Do you consciously make the decision to breathe? Huh? Do you consciously make the decision to digest your food? Your body does, right? But who was the one that orchestrated your body to do what it needs to do, even if you're not thinking about it? So the smallest thing that God does for you is worth all of your faith. The the smallest thing. The same faith you need to get that splinter out of your big toe is the same faith that God could have used with the Israelites to deliver them to the promised land. It's the same faith. Look at your neighbor, say the same faith. So here are my points and we're done. Here are my points. Number one, faith starts where your understanding ends. What does it say? The title of my message today is Mind the Gap. What I want you to understand is that once you become a new creature in God, there is immediately this canyon that runs in between who you are and what you're going after, who you are and what you want, who you are and what even God said. Like, the minute that you say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, I give you my heart, I give you my life. Remember we talked about it? The road isn't going to be easy. But it's not going to be too difficult because God knows what you can bear, right? But the minute that you say, God, I'm a new creature. I accept you into my, into my heart. The minute you say that, there's a giant hole that fills your life. But what happens is, is that people get saved. They leave this place and they never return to learn how to fill the hole. So then they have this giant, this is teaching right here. Thank you, Lord, because this is the Holy Spirit. I don't even know where this is coming from. The hole that is in people, they'll fill it with the church said, Church people said, well, AWC, I can't stand the church because of this. Pastor Martin, Pastor Les Beecham, King of Kings, uh, Word Word of Truth. Like all these different churches, all of these different situations. My family, they made me do this. And we fill the hole with people and situations and issues. But the more that you complain, the hole doesn't get filled by those things. So we have to mind the gap. So when you give your heart to God, a lot of people say, I want to know Jesus. And I question them. I said, wait a minute, are you sure? Because the minute you give your heart to Christ, he consumes every part of you. And the rest of your life, the rest of your life is you taking steps every single day, not being perfect, but making progress. But we come to church as if people are perfect. You go to your job and people get on your nerves. They lie about you. They spit in your face. In some situations, they'll cheat on you, like the whole thing. But somebody comes to church and they say one thing and you expect, well, they're church people. They should just know. So what happened that we started putting our faith in people and not in who God is? Because the only reason I come to this building, it's even like we need community. But I take a community Monday through Saturday. When I come to Sunday, I come for the word, not for you. So where do we get this place where we, we start to fill this gap with people or with issues? The minute you gave your heart to Christ. There was this gi- it's, it's giant, it's a giant, it's a giant hole that only he can fill. That's right, yeah. So when you accept him into your life, I, I'm teaching right now. Like, I know it's not like, and, uh, like, just get over that. But when you ask God to come into your heart, there's, it, he doesn't just fill your heart. He creates a space for him to live in that you have to invite him into. Yeah. So the hole that you have in your heart after you've given your heart to Christ, it's not that there is a void in you. It's just that God has taken away all of the dirty stuff out of your life so that he can fit in that space. But if you never invite him into your life, if you never invite him into that hole, it'll always be empty. I'm not at the end. I I still got the gang of time. Okay. Is that good? Second point. Can you say second point? Second point. Second point is that you can hold what you can hold. The Israelites went out there, and I bet you God was just, like, laughing. Look, look at them. They're, they're trying to catch my blessing in a bucket. Look at this. No, 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 look. No, Gabriel, the angels. Michael, all y'all. Come, come, come look at this. Look at this. They're, I got a cloud over all 600,000 of them, and they, they got a bucket. They got a bucket trying to capture the man. Come, come, look, look, look. Like, their bucket can, can hold what I got for them. This is crazy. Look, what's this? You can hold what you can hold. The minute that you tell God, this is like, the minute you put your hands on it, you tell God, this is all I need. That's why when you lift your hands, you shouldn't be lifting them like this because you can only hold this much. You know how I lift my hands? Because now my capacity is bigger. Does that make sense? Third point, put your faith in the who, not the what. There was always an area in your life where your faith has to fill the gap. If, if you can figure out a way to figure it out, it's not faith. But as humans, what happens is, is that God gives us a word, or sometimes you think like yourself says, hey, and you say, huh, right? And you're trying to decipher, was that God, was that me or the enemy? But if it's a good thing, nine times out of ten, it's God speaking to you through you or through other people because he speaks to us. He's always speaking, always in his word as well. But our problem is that the minute that God gives us something, we try to figure out the how. And we put our faith in the house. So we fast and pray, God, I'm just looking for strategy. God, I'm looking for a way for you to make a way out of no way. And God's like, don't worry about the how. Put your faith in the what. So what if you were to use your faith in a different way? Remember how I talked about my dorm room when I was having that experience? Like, God, I need you to increase my faith in this area, blah, 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 blah. What if I were to use that same energy in worshiping him in faith? Like, God, you're amazing. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. Like, I'm just excited for today, God. Like, I know you're going to do something, like, miraculously above what I could ever think. So, like, you just take care of your business, and I'm just going to walk in faith. Staying in your word and watching all the YouTube that you can, fasting and starving yourself, it's not holy. Because now you're starving yourself in fasting, and you're praying, the the whole thing, to move God, not to move with him. At some point in time, you're going to start using your faith to get in lockstep with God where you're walking with him rather than trying to push him. Yeah. So then you'll look at your prayer time. You'll look at your fasting. You'll look at your prayer as something different. Yeah. Your prayers will change. Not God, make a way out of way. I don't know about this sickness. I don't know what I'm going to do with this bill. They don't want a piece of it. They don't want a half of it. They want the whole thing, and I ain't got it. Look, like, what are you going to do? But the, what, your prayers will change. Like, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And I'm so deep in it right now that what you're about to use, it's going to blow me away. So just like, can you just share a little bit of it with me? What God used yesterday, he's not going to use today. And it's disrespectful for us to think that he's going to use it today. God, you used this yesterday. He's like, yeah, I'm God. Like, I don't even have, I created time so that your brain wouldn't turn into pudding. I live outside of it. So I don't understand yesterday, today. I'm just, I'm just, God. Jesus. Who is this good for? Say, if it's good for you, say, it's good for me. Good for me. Fourth thing. Say this with me. Say, God loves your, thro- your, your, thorn. God loves your thorn. Say, God loves, thorn. God loves my thorn. Say it loud. God loves, God loves my, thorn. my thorn. So there's this story of this man named uh, Paul. Paul. And Paul was, like, literally murdering Christians. Like, mur- like pulling up, Ricky! Like, I mean, he was, like, like, y'all don't watch movies. Come on, dude, really? We're afraid of movies now? Oh, my God. He wants Boys in the Hood. My gl- like God's glory is sufficient. I took communion afterwards, but it's a dope movie. Bad Boys 3, I'm going to go see it because I've been waiting on it. You know, like, God is bigger than your religion. He's bigger. He created... Anyway, there's no such thing as clean and secular. I don't listen to rap music because it's not, it's not clean. Like, sometimes when I'm at the gym, I don't need somebody speaking in tongues. I need DMX. Like I need it. I'm squatting two times my body weight. I need somebody telling me, man, you ain't got it in you, dog. You need it. Like, I need it. I need it. So anyway, there's a story about Paul. So, okay, let me backtrack. Paul killing Christians. Ricky! Okay, hold on, wait a minute, stop, stop. Paul killing Christians. Ricky! Right, okay, now, and then he meets God. He meets God while he's on this road uh, to Damascus. He's riding on a horse. God comes, bright shining light. Paul, oh my God, I can't see. He falls off the horse. He sees Jesus, but he can't see him because he had to blind him to face his glory. Because if God really showed you who you really are, if God really showed you what he wanted for you, you wouldn't be able to stand it. So he gives you small things. I'm teaching. Y'all just sleep. So Paul's on the ground. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Uh, Killing Christians. Light. Oh, my God. I can't see. God comes and says, hey, my name is God. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm scared. But this is what happens. Paul looks at God and he says, you know what, God, there's this thorn in my side. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. Paul says it again. He says, but (laughs) there's this, there's this thorn. We don't know. Like it it was probably, it could have been an addiction. It could have been him saying, God, like you can use me, but I got this thing that I'm still dealing with. So you can't use me. Like, you can't use my faith. It has a hole in it. You, you can't use my, and God says, my grace, it's sufficient. The third time Paul says it, Paul says, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, right? Freaky, like a whole, whole thing. Like, I'm going to preach your word. You change my name from Paul to Saul. I get it. But there's this thing. What if God said, I like you with the thorn? Because as long as you have the thorn, you're dependent on me. Joshua, as long as you're still, you, you might have beat pornography, but if you're struggling with it, when somebody comes to you with that issue, you can take them to God, but you can also show them the thorn. And you, what if the thorn that's in your side, God likes that? Oh, I like it when you need me. Ooh, ooh, I like it when you got that splinter that you can't get out because it reminds you that I'm God. Like, there are some things in your life you're like, God, take it away. And God's like, no, leave it there. I like what happened to you when you were three and four. I like that thing that you thought was too big to handle. You think molestation and all this other thing, oh, my God, this is crazy. It's terrible. But God's like, no, I, I like that. It's terrible that it happened. And I wish it wouldn't have. But that thorn in your side is going to set people free. You want me to show you? Want me to show you? Want me to show you you how I know? Want me to show you how I know? Want me to show you how I know? Watch this. Because Jesus wore a crown of thorns upon his head. So God tells Paul, your thorn is fine. Because you only got one. But I'm going to wear thorns that are going to set everybody free. You're worried about one thorn and that's enough. But... I'm about to take on the sin of the world, and they're going to sit a crown of thorns on my head. So your one thorn, keep that as a remembrance of who I am. A lot of the scars on your body, if you ever had a baby and you had a C-section, you shouldn't feel upset about the C-section. Rather, you should look at the scar as a battle wound. I burnt something so big that I couldn't do it naturally. You got scars on your body and you tried to hide them. We live in America. This is a blemish. It's going to take care of the blemishes. It's going to hide them and cover them. No, 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 no. All the scars that God has, has delivered me from, come and look at them. Because this one has a story. And this one has a story. And, and this one has a story. What are your scars? What, what are they? Like, what did God deliver you from that you didn't think you had the faith for it? And if you forget, you can look at the thorn in your side and be like, no. He, he saved me here. He took care of me. Do it on you. Here, he did it. Here, he did it. Oh, he delivered me from this over here. Like, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore over here. I'm not conceited. I don't manipulate anymore. Like, God, you know what? If you don't do another thing for me. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm working too hard. So listen to this. 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 Jesus' is thorn, Matthew 26, 36 through 46. It says that Jesus was on his way because he he was going to be, you know, like how Jesus goes to the garden to pray before he dies, right? Right. He takes some guys with him and he asks them to stay up with him for one hour and they keep falling asleep. After the second time, Jesus goes back to pray and listen to what he says in the 36th verse. Like really, like listen to the mind of Jesus. So Jesus went on a little further and bowed <clears throat> and with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, Jesus, the Messiah, the, like the God, if, if there's any possible way, could you please let this cup of suffering be taken away from me? It's in your Bible, isn't it? If, if there's, is there any other way? Like, I'm the same today, t- yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forevermore. So, like, I know what they're going to do to me tomorrow. Just think logically. I created time, so I know they're going to beat me for 14 hours. I, I know, I know that they're going to take the cat of nine tails, which is a whip that they put pieces of broken pottery in, and they, they beat him 39 times. You, I couldn't take one. I I think I would pass out just seeing them crank up. They'd be like, oh, I'd be out. But he took 39 of them. Like, God, Judas, the one that I want, I wanted to save him. He's going to betray me. Like, this time, tomorrow, I'm going to be hanging. So, like, is there any other way? Like, is, is there any other way? But look what he says. Look what he says. What what does he say? He says, nevertheless, I want your will to be done, not mine. The minute you gave your hope to God, the minute you gave your life to God, you started working in a new normal. And that normal is faith. So I want to give you the, the next point. Don't let your doubt count you out. Some of us, we think, I have faith for it. It hasn't happened yet. And you begin to doubt. And then, like, you'll try to, like, fast and pray to clean up the doubt in the middle of it. Who am I talking to? God gives you a word. He says, this time next year. So you're like, okay, so this time next year, I don't need to sin. I don't need to think any bad thoughts. I don't need to do anything bad. Because if I do that, it's going to get in the way of his blessing. Got you. No, I'm I'm with you. Because I'm there. Okay, God, you said you're going to, so that means I can't even look at anything that would get me aroused. I can't even smell cigarette smoke. And if I do, I'd starve myself saying that I'm fasting, but I'm trying to get right with God. So we end up killing ourselves because the enemy is using doubt to make you think that you're unworthy. Let me tell you something. God gives two rips about your sin. Jesus literally died on a cross. So he's like, I died for this, and you're worried about what you did last night? It only lasted for an hour. It only lasted for a couple of days. It might have only lasted for a year, but I live outside of time. Your sin is fine. And just like I told Paul, my grace is, don't let your doubt count you out. If God told you he's going to do something, he's going to do it, and it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Some of us, we believe that once God tells us something and we start to doubt what he's saying, that it counts us out. Jesus himself was in the garden. Jesus was all God, all man. Like he would have been no earthly good on earth if he didn't feel like a human. That's why when you give your heart to Christ, don't change who you used to be. You still need to be that person because you can be so spiritually and heavenly made that you're no earthly good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm praised and highly favored. Nobody. I don't even want to hear that. I'm up here. I want to walk up to somebody, hey, what's good, dog? Hey, folks, I'm straight. What's good? Like, let's talk on a level that we're earthly good. So God in himself, it's not that he was doubtful, but in order for him to understand the weight that was on his shoulders, he had to feel doubt. He had to feel fear. So if you're doubtful, if you're fearful, that means that you're in the right place. Because doubt and fear comes into play when you don't think you can handle it, and that's where God works. God works in this place where you don't have enough to help him. God works in this place where what I'm about to put on you, you need to be afraid of it. Because if you're not afraid of it, you'll think you can do it by yourself. What I'm about to show you, I I can't give you the full clear picture. Because if you get the full clear picture, you're going to be like, wow, look how awesome I am. No, no, no. I need it to be so scary. I need you to be so doubtful of it so that you never think that you have enough to get it done. What are you filling your gap with? I'm ready, Brother Lamont. What are you filling your gap with? What are you filling... Ask your neighbor, what are you filling your gap with? Come on, ask him for real. Come on, ask him for real. So this is what God gave me. This is what God gave me. One second. God gave me this illustration of what faith looks like, and I totally believe that today this is going to, this is going to help somebody out, because it helped me out. Like I said before, it was good at 4 a.m., it got gooder at 5, by 6 o'clock I was drunk in the spirit, and by 7 a.m. I was so hot I had to take a shower, not because I stank, but you know, it was, it was hot. Okay, you can wheel it up. Can I show you all something? This is the altar call. This is all of it. You can bring it. So I can show you how God gave it to me. Okay. Thank you. So I just spent the, the better part of about 30, 40 minutes on the gap, right? Right? The minute you give your heart to God, there's this space inside of you that faith has to fill. But what happens is that faith. You as a person, your faith capacity, it comes in sizes. So I need a pen. Does anybody have a pen? It's mine now, so once you give it to me, you're not getting it back. I'm kidding. So we good? Y'all here? Y'all sleeping? You got a roast in the oven? Probably doesn't even taste that good. You're, this is better. Kidding, kidding. So what happens is, is that we, um, we ask God, we say, hey, like, what, what you have for me, I want it. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm looking for this opportunity. And God says, okay, cool. And what happens is, what happens is, is that this is your capacity and faith because you've never had to use it before. So what happens is, is that doubt comes in the way. So after that, you, you, you try as hard as you can to use your faith, but it, it can't, it can't get in the cup because, because, because doubt is in the way. And then your faith, like your, your faith spills over because what you've been doing to try and get the good stuff in you can't because it's being blocked. So let's say by some way, a little bit of it gets in you it gets in you and you grow. Something works, God works out. I don't know if this is for you. Like it works out, like God, like God, you, you did it. But, I mean, it's not much, but you did it. So what God does is he upgrades your faith. So then the same doubt that came in that last season comes into this one. But as you can see, your faith is a little bit bigger, so the doubt isn't as big of a deal. So, You do what you need to do to get your faith right. And now it's like the doubt is still there, but you got more faith in your cup because your capacity has grown. This is so cold. Who am I talking to? But then after that, say after that, God does something in your life and now your faith capacity has grown. So so now, so now you're, your faith level is something different, but God reminds you of the small faith you had during the process. Because God says that everything that I'm doing with you, you're gonna just build on your faith. I don't expect you. I don't expect you, you can bring it, but leave the other thing. I don't expect you, Joshua, right now, or I don't expect you, person that just gave your life to me, I, I, don't, I don't expect you to have the faith that, that's about to come up. So then, right, you, you, have, you have fear and doubt. But but look 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 how big your capacity and faith is now. Like so now God can God can give you even more than what you had. And faith and doubt is still there, but you have more faith. Fear and doubt is still there, but you still have more faith. So then it's just like, well, God, like, what am I supposed to do? Who's this for? Like who? Like what? What am I supposed to do? So then, money issues come and. And and frustrations and 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 fear, God. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. And I, I've been sick for a long time. They only gave me two months to live, God. They say that HIV is incurable. Like I'm getting kind of doubtful. But we serve a God that created everything, so He also created your healing, right? But God, you know, what? I can't wait to get out of this couch. My mama, she crazy. My daddy, he crazy. My husband, he crazy. My sister, he's crazy. And God's just like, so wait a minute. Don't get so frustrated with what you're trying to fill your cup with. Look at what's already been full. Yeah, yeah. Because the grace that I gave you, the faith that you needed to fill up the cup in the beginning, it's still in you. Yes. Come on now. So then, listen, listen. So then it gets to a point where you become like a faith juggernaut. Where it really doesn't matter. Like, God, I remember when I was a baby Christian. I'm going to put that in what I know now. God, I remember also when... I remember also... When you, when, when you delivered me, I remember when you delivered me from, from that thing when I was 14 that was supposed to take over my entire life and change the trajectory. I remember that too. And, and I also remember where I'm at now. But God, this thing that you've given me now, look how big... The faith that you gave me in those last seasons doesn't even fill this up. So like, so now, God, so now that I'm in this place where I don't have enough faith, you know, I'm gonna fill it with all that doubt and fear because I gotta fill it up with something. I, I gotta, I gotta fill it up with something. I, I, don't, I don't know, like, I don't know how they're gonna get it. I, I, like, I'm worried, I'm not sleeping, I can't eat, I'm, I'm getting so sick, I'm getting so worried that now I'm, I'm making myself sick. And now it's just like, yo, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, God? Like, I have the container, like I have the capacity for more, but my gap is full. So then God says, no, look, bro, look, baby, my grace is sufficient. If you just give me, if you give me a little bit, like, the balls are in the container. But there's some water underneath it. So then at some point, you look at God and you say, you know what, God? I'm all in. I'm I'm all in. You have given me, thank you, God. You've given me no reason to doubt you. You've given me no reason to doubt you. And I know that if I keep enough of this faith thing, if I keep enough of this faith, if I do this long enough, God, at some point in time, all this stuff has got to come out. And the more things that you use your faith for to work in, There's a crack in this thing. My cup runneth over. The more things that you give God, the more things that you allow Him to fill up, the more things that you allow Him to fill up with your faith, the more it displaces your doubt. So, listen. If you catch one of these, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that this reminds you of how unimportant your doubt is. Stop worrying about the bills. Stop worrying about your health. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat. Worrying about what you're going to wear. Stop worrying about it. Because at the end of the day, if you keep building your faith, all these things are unimportant. But can I show you something else? For some of us, this is what our faith looks like. God, I have the capacity to believe it, but I have this thorn in my side where stuff is leaking out. Like, I believe you, I believe you, but my, my, my faith, it's, it's broken, G. Look, God, like, G, God. Like, it's, it's broken. Do you see the picture? It's overflowing. At some point in time, your faith becomes so great that your faith can't contain it, so you need another container. But some of you look like this today. God, what's in the faith that I have is going away. And the doubt is what's filling the hole. So you you, you keep trying to fill it up. Like, God, I believe you. But then you put your doubt on it, and slowly and slowly and surely, it goes down. Can I show you something else? Can I show you something else? Take your seats. Can you take this away? Because, Mom, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think that this is what God wants you to have. He wants you to have so much faith that it becomes a problem and people got to come and help you. I need my people. I need my people. I need my people. Come on. So can I show you how God gave it to me? I don't know who this is for, but it's it's, going to bless you. I know it is because it was good at four. It was good at five. By seven o'clock, I was too hot, so I had to take a shower. Not because I stank, because I had... Ricky! Don't forget. Somebody's gonna remember that. Your kids are gonna be in school. Ricky! And the teacher's gonna be like, um, your son is seeing boys in the hood. No, no, he went to church. And she's gonna be like, do you have a card? Do you have a card? So, the Word of God says that by, that people will know that he's God in a couple of different ways. And one of them is by the blood of the Lamb and the I want you to understand something today, that your capacity grows not just so that you can praise God, but so that people can see yes. through your testimony what faith it took to get what you got. The reason why we're kingdom citizens and we're ambassadors is so that when people see you, like you don't have to tell them that, you, that, that you're a Jesus follower. That scares people. I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Like, oh, okay. But because of your faith, the way that you walk in life, people will say, like, like you and your wife are so happy. Like, how? how? Yes. College students, raise your hands. Like, this, this subject is super difficult, but you, I study for days and you study for a couple of minutes and you do this weird thing called praying before you take a test. Like, could you, could you, could you, I don't believe it, but could you, could you pray with me? Every time I see you and your family, I know y'all going through some stuff, but like, just tell me your story. That's why your testimony is so important. Your faith builds your container, and your container builds your testimony. Your testimony leads people to God. So let me show you something. There are three things that we have to do when it comes to faith. Say, build your faith. Mom said excellent word. Thanks, Mom. Hopefully there ain't no water stains. Look at your neighbor and say, there are three things you have to do. So this is what you do when, when Bishop Tudor says what he says, Pastor Martin says what he says, or you're, you're great enough that God could just tell you something and you're enough. Nobody up here has to say anything. You can make a decla- declaration in your house at two o'clock in the morning in the shower. God, you know what? That house that we keep passing by, that my kids keep asking me, and it's pissing me off because I don't have enough. You know what? I declare right now under the power of the Holy Spirit, that's our house. So I'm just gonna keep building my faith and we'll be in it in a year. You need to start being so bold that you put a time stamp on it. Because God is so strong. God is so dope. He, he, can do it so, he, he can do it in a year and a half. But what you said, God, you got six months. God's like, oh. That means that they believe I can. And they believe I can do it quickly. How many of you, there are some things you need done quickly? Like, I need this done yesterday. And it's not so I can get it. But I need you to prove yourself to me so I can prove you to others. Watch this. So there are three things. I need you guys to stand over here. There are three things that you got to do. I need you guys to stand over here. Things you gotta do. Remember, this represents your faith. These are the things like praying, fasting. Are we good? Yeah. Praying. I know I'm over time, but y'all gotta get this. This praying, fasting, figuring out who God is. This is your altar call. So, this is what happens. There are three things that faith has to do. The first thing that faith does is when you hear something, you have to prepare. So, they have jackets, rain jackets, and they also have goggles. So I want you guys to prepare. I want you to put your jackets on. When God gives you a word, hearing the word, screaming hallelujah and saying, 10 days, that's not enough. When the dust settles, you need to prepare for what God's about to give you. At the same way that you build your faith capacity, you also need to build your receiving capacity. Because remember, what he's showing you is too big for you to handle. So if you're sitting there like, God, help me out. If you're not prepared... If you're not prepared, what he wants to give you will take you over, and you'll curse God for the blessing he's trying to get to you. God, I want a big house, but you didn't prepare your money, your mindset. Because 600 square feet is a heck of a lot different than 1,700 square feet is a lot different than 4,500 square feet, right? So So God can bless you with a huge house, but if your mindset is still in Egypt like the Israelites, you curse God for your deliverance and want to go back to the small house. But let me tell you something. Your normal just changed today. So this is what, is this good? This is what faith does. Faith prepares. The next thing that faith does is that it expects. So faith, okay, God, I'm prepared for this overflow that you're about to give me. But now I'm expecting something. Because I don't know how big it is, so I want to make sure... That, 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 that I'm good. Uh-huh. I need you to line up. Dude, these are hecka tight. You got, you got a small head, Chris. Good, Jesus. <laughs> but the last thing that happens is you got to stand here. Stand here. Is that faith? <laughs> Listen. Listen. Say faith receives. receives. You just stand here, Steph. Chris, I need you to stand right behind him. Okay. And at least I need you to stand right behind him right here. This is you. This is God. This is your container. Don't miss it laughing. Don't miss it. God, this is my container for faith. This is me. And what happens is you need to put your hood up. Mm hmm. Because you're not prepared. Because what I'm about to give you, if you're not prepared, it'll take you over and you're going to blame me. God, that's too much. What you asked for it. So what happens is, is that God, once your faith is prepared and you're ready, you're able to receive. But you know what the crazy thing about receiving? Is that as, as I'm hitting him, you ready for the next one? Watch. As I'm hitting him, the residual value is hitting the other people. God wants to expand your faith so much that as he's blessing you, other people get blessed in the process. God God wants your faith to be so stupid that as he's blessing you, you get some, your faith capacity gets some, and the people around you the people around you get blessed. It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So when God shows you something that's too big for you, you should start celebrating. And stop asking why you're saying when. 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 When, when is it coming? Because now i got to prepare. i got to expect. And when it comes, you best believe. I'm going to receive Come on, give God a shout right there. Come on. Come on! Thanks, bro. Everybody on your feet. Everybody on your feet. Everybody on your feet. Anybody want some of this? I feel this is anointed. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mom. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you, guys. Can you give them a hand, guys? You want to take it off? Go ahead. Thank you for trusting me, Steph. What you see as a mess is going to be a blessing that speaks to people. To a lot of you, this just looks like soil clothes. But I want you to understand, everything that God brought you through, it didn't just build your faith. But what happens is, is that when you put this on, Number one, it reminds you, it reminds you of what God brought you through, but it gives hope to other people to just keep, like, don't let this break your faith. Like, really? My son's out here in the streets. Really? That's what it took to break your faith? My wife left me. Really? It was that easy to break your faith? Like, I'm sick. Oh, wow. Sickness. That's, that's enough to break your, no, no. What I want you to understand is that once you get your capacity, if I were to put this on, this is Josh Cryer's. Y'all seen Josh. Josh is like seven times smaller than me. If I put this on, I'm going to stretch the capacity that it will never fit him the same way. I want to make sure that you understand that today in your faith, your life is not going to fit you the same. Look at your neighbor, say new normal. Look at your neighbor, say new normal. Our sermon series is called May. And this is the, this is the punchline. I, wa- I want you to hear this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created us. But he also made us in his image and in his likeness. I want to make sure that you understand that if you're made like God, you are made to use your faith. This thing called worry, this thing called doubt, God didn't create it. We just take it on. God didn't create worry. God, God didn't create that feeling in your stomach like when you feel like you're about to get in trouble. That's not God. It's never him. Because his word comes with conviction, not condemnation. Condemnation makes you feel sick for what you see. Conviction makes you look at it and feel emboldened to beat it. Look at your neighbor and say, what's filling your gap? James two fourteen through 26. It says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily, daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and feel, but you do not give them the things in which they needed for their body, what does that profit? Thus also, faith itself without works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Listen to this. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you faith by my works. What I want to make sure you understand today is that 10 days is dope and the oil from Almighty God could have came down and taken care of your piece of paper, right? On that night, like I come against the enemy in my land and my family. And your faith is great, but if you don't take the step out on faith, it just sits there. So you can have this crazy faith capacity where your faith is super strong, but you've never tested it. Can we do something today? I want you to bring the lights down in the house, please. I believe that there are 10 people, at least 10 people today that are going to step out on faith.